This episode is brought to you by KG Productions for Krishna Nose. Good morning. Uh, we are doing the Uddhav Gita. And this is the meanings of the words which Krishna has his own explanation. They are not conforming to the regular material worldly meaning of those words. So, let us see what he is talking about. We are doing Uddhav Gita, the last message of Sri Krishna, the dialogue between Sri Krishna and Uddhava. This is chapter 14, verse 39 onwards. We had just started verse 39, but uh, I could not proceed beyond the first few words. So, let me do that once again. So, Uddhav Gita, chapter 14, verse 39. Religion is that wealth which men may covet. I, the Supreme Lord, am the sacrifice. The imparting of knowledge is religious remuneration and the highest strength is the control of prana. Now, religion is that wealth which men may covet. We have so much of wealth around us. Now, what is the wealth that a person actually thinks of? When he is saying, I am a wealthy person, he is talking in terms of money, properties, maybe his family, maybe the place where he comes from, the things that he owns. These are the things that a person feels is the wealth. Again, there is a wealth of the nation, you know. <laughs> Every nation will say, we have so much of wealth. But what is the true wealth? The word wealth as described by Sri Krishna is religion. Religion is now in current yuga is divided so much that we have started, instead of being friends with each other, we consider every other person as an enemy. We don't look at anybody as a friend anymore. Only if we are getting profit from that person, do we look at that person as a friend. Otherwise, who cares? Whether you see big nations in this world or even your own case, you will find that wherever your bread is buttered, you are, you are going to be friend over there. Otherwise, we don't care. Religion teaches us to be within the format as given by the dear Lord. We have to stay within that periphery. Okay, now what I mean is that there are certain boundaries which we are not supposed to cross. And we cannot interpret religion the way we feel like. Now there are religious leaders who talk very incendiary talks. That means they speak very, uh, you know, the, their own speech creates a lot of chaos in this world. That should not be the case. The religion should bind everybody together. And when we have religion, then we can say we are wealthy enough. That means we are very wealthy. In olden times, there was no religion. There was only one kind of a belief that was belief in the nature way back in time. And then some spiritual people came into the picture and they started giving some very beautiful definition for this coming together of people. Take the case of Gautam Buddha. You see, he created something which brought a lot of people together. Way back in 
his time more than 2500 years ago the whole world was fractured around him and it was very important to get this world patched up together so he created buddhism and he brought a lot of people under that roof similarly 2000 years ago christianity came into the picture that brought a lot of people together isn't it prior to that there were so many factions different different denomination different factions and people were not coming together this kind of a fractured state is not healthy think way back in time there was a place north of china called mongolia now mongolia had a lot of different different groups of people and each of them were following different religions we can't even say religion because there was no religion there now these people they were called khans khans okay now you may think khans come from middle east isn't that how you think no the khans originated from mongolia now the mongols each small nomadic group they had a matriarch a senior women who was in charge of the whole kabila the group and then she incited one group against the other and they fought with each other and whichever was the dominating group they were left behind and the rest of the other group was destroyed it so happened that there was a young child born in this one of the kabilas over there this child understood that there was so much of difference between people there's a lot of factions so he when he grew up he brought these people together and he was such a great leader that he identified the leader the person who can fight the person who can do things you see a great leader's job is to identify talent and he identified talent amongst all these groups and then he gave each of them sops a lot of benefits they became beneficiary and he became the overall leader his name was jenghis khan he understood how to group this together and make it one then he started conquering lands after lands after lands after lands and mongolia went right up to you will not believe this up to turkey you see they captured turkey imagine that now after he died there was a a big hole in that because now every group thought they are good at it and there were four groups formed and each took one territory after another in that one of them was kublai khan i'm sure you have heard of this name somewhere in history <laughs> one of the descendants who went far east i can't even say far east one person who went to the middle east which is turkey and all those places from there babur and all these people came to india also so now if i trace back the history you will understand that it is not some islamic rule or anything like that 
the whole genesis is different. It's a way of looking at it. Now these people, whoever they were, they created these big, big swaths of empire. So today you will find that religion is uniting certain number of people. And there are certain number of people who do not consider religion at all. Especially in India, you will find that there one person is against another. For what reason? It should bring us together, isn't it? Now we will say, ki, oh, Hinduism is not a religion. <laughs> and you will say, no, we are from the Sanatan Dharma. If you are from the Sanatan Dharma and if you are in India, why is one person against another? It should bring us together. Because we are talking of goodness, we are talking of brotherhood, we are talking of working together. So, if you want to covet something as a wealth, religion is the one thing that you need to covet. And you need to become friendly with everybody. That is the meaning. I, the Supreme Lord, am the sacrifice. When Krishna says, I am the Supreme Lord, I would ask you one question. In which great scripture in India is it written that he is the Supreme Lord? Do you know the answer? My Gita pe hat rakke kasam khata hu. You see, even in the court, even in the highest court of India, or you can ask anybody across India, which is that one scripture which people will abide and stand by? And the answer is Gita, the Bhagavad Gita. And in the Bhagavad Gita and in the Uddhav Gita, the same Sri Krishna says, I am the Supreme Lord. I am above all these gods demigods, whoever that you can think of. I am the one far beyond this manifest and the unmanifest universe. You are reading the Gita. Those who are reading the Gita, how can you then say that there is another Supreme Lord? This understanding is never there with people. They start believing in all the demigods as somebody else. You know, they feel that is the supreme god. That is the supreme god. No, you know the Bhagavad Gita. You know now the Uddhav Gita. And in the Uddhav Gita is the same repetition of the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says, I am the supreme lord. There is nobody above me. So don't even have two things in your mind. You know, that, oh, is there another one? There is not, there isn't another one. It's the same thing written in all the other religions of this world and the religious texts. I am the Supreme Lord is written over there. Though the names are different of that Supreme Lord. Somewhere he is called the Father in heaven. So we cannot say that it is different. So I am the Supreme Lord, Krishna says, and I am the sacrifice. What is the meaning of the word sacrifice? People think that creating a very nice Havan Kund and in that starting to do some kind of an oblation is called a sacrifice. What exactly are you doing there? Think about it. What exactly are you doing by doing that havan? Every person who is standing around is just a beggar asking for something. Think. We are doing a great havan. We are doing a great sacrifice. That is not the sacrifice. God is not outside. 
God is not somewhere that, oh, I make this sacrifice, God will come and then he's got one pot over there, he's going to pour something. That is not how you have to see. No. Sacrifice is within you. Within this being of yours. And the God Almighty's essence is within you. It is called the self. Krishna has clearly said, I am that self. I am that supreme Lord. I am the master of this whole thing. I am beyond the Brahma. You think he has not said these words? If you don't know the Bhagavad Gita, join me every Tuesday morning to hear the Bhagavad Gita. And those are words which you can abide by. So, he says, I am that sacrifice. Sacrifice. Think. Anything that is happening in your body from top to toe is called a sacrifice. Whether you are watching anything, you are seeing this satsang, it is called a sacrifice. Sacrifice because there is some oblation going inside your eye. That is the kund in which pouring, something is being poured inside. That is the image from outside. Something is being spoken. Something is digested in your stomach. Isn't that called a sacrifice? Now, whatever you eat, drink, digest, whatever is done by this body, please consider it as Krishna himself because he is the lord of everything. In different parts of the body, we will be identifying different things in the future. Very soon, in the next couple of months time, we will be coming to the verse where Krishna defines this whole concept. So I am telling you right now in advance, the sacrifice happens inside of you. So now think about it. When you are doing a physical sacrifice outside, you are putting you know, twigs and branches and ghee and butter and all those things. Are you not doing it? Isn't that how havan is done? I am sure most of you have seen it. In your own house when you had done the housewarming ceremony and all those other ceremonies, have you not seen that happening? If you have seen that happening, then that's exactly what happens inside your body as well. So would you want to put some rotten stuff inside your body? Do you think Krishna loves that stuff? Because sacrifice is Krishna. Remember this. So do you want to say drink to Krishna? Krishna cheers. You don't say Krishna cheers. You don't eat wrong kind of stuff. You don't utter wrong kinds of word from your mouth because that is a sacrifice. When you see, see good stuff. Do you think that sacrifice should be bad and horrible? When you want to breathe clean air, isn't that a good sacrifice? Do you want to, you know, take in dirty air? In most of the United States, in the you know, California and other regions, there are forest fires. Indonesia also has forest fires. In Singapore, the weather is, the air is filled with smoke. Do you know how difficult it is to breathe? And nowadays, though, you are using all those breathing things, you know. Are you not? You are wearing masks. Are you not breathing in? You want to breathe in good air, isn't it? It's the same thing. If you want to breathe in good air, you should eat good food. You should always speak very good language instead of uttering all kinds of nonsensical words. Your language should be sweet, like Krishna, not evil, like the devils. What you see should be beautiful. People love to watch serials and movies and all those kind of things. 
But when it comes to God's stuff, they don't want to see. Because they are very busy in the other world of theirs. When you want to go on a holiday, don't you want to go to beautiful places? Mountains, rivers, valleys, ocean, these, that. You want to stay in good places. So you are doing sacrifice of that. When you see a beautiful scenery out there, that scenery should be satisfying. Krishna loves that. So that's a good sacrifice. But if you are indulging in something which is wrong, do you think that's a good sacrifice? Do you understand? Any kind of act, any kind of act is called a sacrifice. Sacrificial act. Please understand, Krishna is the oblation there. Krishna is the sacrifice. Got it? The imparting of knowledge is religious remuneration. When one person imparts knowledge to another, do you understand? When one person is imparting knowledge to another, what kind of knowledge? Knowledge which is good, conducive, which will give you progress in your life, even if it is spiritual knowledge. We are not just talking about spiritual knowledge here. We are talking of knowledge in general. If you know certain things, let us say you know how to cook. You see, you impart the knowledge to other people very nicely. Not badly. Don't, you don't have to beat a person or shout at that person and then try to tell him, you got to listen. It is not like China who is putting that band on the head. Yesterday those who attended my satsang will know this. You don't force a person. You nicely, kindly impart the knowledge. Very nicely you impart knowledge to another person. Now if you know how to cook and if you teach another person how to cook, maybe make even a cup of tea. Does the knowledge grow or does it become less? Your knowledge is not disturbed at all because what you have imparted is a knowledge. The other person gets it. He becomes knowledgeable. Think, if you know something about some sciences, isn't it important to impart that knowledge to the world? If you know some art, isn't it important to you know, spread this art everywhere? This is the truth. You got to change, exchange this knowledge with another person who has no knowledge at all. There are ignorant people. People really don't understand many things. You see, take your own case. You never understood anything. So you had to be told 100 times or 200 times the same thing. In my satsang, I keep on repeating the same stuff all over again. And even today, even the best of the people, they don't even understand what I teach. So I have to use means, ways and means by which I can impart this same knowledge. The same knowledge will appear to them. In a scripture or in a book that they may be reading with me. Or they may be doing something with the scripture. They, that knowledge appears to them. Bang in their face. Sometimes they go through their personal experiences connected to the knowledge. Because knowledge is just not bookish. Knowledge has to be converted into an experience. An experience which will make you grow. Not something which is going to make you fall. If knowledge says you are supposed to say the truth at all points in time, are you not supposed to follow it to the T? That is what it means. 
So knowledge has to be imbibed, absorbed, and then you have to implement it in the world. Just saying that I am telling the truth doesn't change anything. You got to speak truthful words at all points in time. If you say that I am following this, follow it diligently and not for the sake of doing it. So knowledge, Krishna says, is the religious remuneration. So anybody who imparts knowledge to another is growing in the eyes of Krishna. So you have to impart knowledge which you have. It is said that there are companies which are good in what they are doing. International organizations are there. What is good about those organizations? Let us try to understand. If there is a company which is called McDonald's. It is good at making burgers. Isn't that true? They must have dished out millions of millions of burgers by now. Are they not good at it? Yes. Look at Pizza Hut. They might have dished out so many pizzas. In the same way, maybe Starbucks. They have made so many coffees in their life. So they are good at it. So in the same way there are organizations, there are human beings, human beings who are good at certain arts, crafts, sciences. They should give knowledge free of charge to other people. Not hold master classes. Master classes is making money. If you need the religious remuneration in your life for your final journey, towards liberation, then you impart that knowledge without any expectation. Without any expectation, you have to spread your knowledge to other people. Grant this knowledge to other people so that they can grow. And when you impart the knowledge to other people, your knowledge also grows. Their knowledge also grows. And then you spread this beautiful world round. That is what it means. Imparting knowledge is extremely important and that is religious remuneration. You get paid for it. Not money. Otherwise you will say, oh I want to impart knowledge and I need money. <laughs> the highest strength is the control of prana. What is prana? See, people have this understanding that prana means breath, the air that you breathe in. Prana is not air that you breathe in. You see, think about it. There are people who may take one breath in the whole year also. One. And they may just be sitting there <laughs> throughout the year, not doing anything. There are yogis of those kind, you know, in this world. So, the control of prana is the highest strength. What does a person feel? Mm, mm, you know, they show even a woman doing like this and saying, okay, woman's empowerment. That is not power. <laughs> that is not strength. The strength is how you can control your prana. There are different, different pranas inside. They are working throughout your body. Throughout your body. We have done this before in other subjects also. I am not going to give elaborate explanation here. But remember one thing. Even the working of your red blood corpuscles reaching the furthest end of your, even this fingertip, you know, is because of the prana. The pranic energy pushes it to that level, to the highest levels. Similarly, 
the working of your entire body is dependent on the prana it is the life force within you something that keeps you ticking so this life force has to be under your control not somebody else's let us just take in breath and the out breath you know people get exhausted isn't it when they have to climb the mountain even 10 you know 10 steps and ah, i'm so tired is it tired what do you mean by i'm so tired <laughs> pranic energy is the one which runs your entire system you are alive because of that and that is the reason why the control of the prana is called the highest strength if you can have that kind of a strength you may be a puny guy you know and that puny guy may be able to withhold his breath also <laughs> under water you know when they do the training of all these great people marines they call it marines okay that person is held under water for 8 or 9 minutes <laughs> and you say oh that fellow is going to die no he blacks out <laughs> he just blacks out then he is pulled outside <laughs> no you need to allow the you know the air oxygen to reach the brain there is a gap but if you can train yourself in the yogic path on the control of prana you don't have to bother about this breath and in breath and out breath and this and that you can still breathe once in a while don't try this at home disclaimer guruji said try no i am not asking you to try take training you see pre- previous line says no get the knowledge first okay so <laughs> don't just try otherwise i'll i'll put one clip on my nose and i say i would go to try no don't do that <laughs> all right so we are going to the next verse we are doing chapter 14 from the uddhav gita verse 40 fortune is my divine state the best profit is devotion to me learning is the destruction of the idea of multiplicity in the self shyness is abhorrence of evil deeds isn't it strange that he is saying these different different words and different answers people think i am having so much of fortune no to be in a blissful state like krishna is the fortune you know the whole world thinks that i want to be happy you know there are quacks across the world who talk about you need happiness you need peace you need contentment i need this you see the whole world is trying to peddle happiness peace contentment and all those great words and people they get conned into joining this kind of a class happiness is not the ultimate goal the moment you get out of the class you are the most unhappiest person over there why are you the unhappiest person over there because you see when you were attending the class let us say you are going to a yoga class you are at least practicing yoga in front of that goon the goon is the teacher by the way whoever that idiot was you see i am saying these words the goon is the teacher do you know why i am saying it there is a verse in this uddhav gita itself where he says not everybody is entitled to teach we will come to that verse very soon <laughs> teaching of the spiritual things can only be done by the highest spiritual master not by any ordinary human being 
So ordinary human beings cannot teach another person spiritual truth. Please remember this. So attending classes is not the criteria. After they finish the class, they do not even have the discipline in their life to do those things. You know, if you know, say Surya Namaskar, you were earlier wearing some garments in that class of yours, you know, some strange garments which they dish out, you are supposed to buy them over there. Yes, just like a school uniform, you know, every, every school has a uniform. They will say, you have to buy this uniform from this place. Okay, so like that you have to buy garments from there and then you are supposed to stretch like this and stretch like that and do this and do that. So they will tell you how to do the whole thing. Now, let us say you have finished the class and now you have gone back home. You are wearing your underwear or maybe wearing your long jeans pant and trying to do the stunt. Is that what how, how it was done? And you are not even stretching fully. You are just trying to be a little, okay, that's alright, that's alright, I can do it. No. If you want to attain that happiness which you had gone to seek inside some place, to have the continuation of the happiness, you got to continue the activities which you were doing at other places also. Got it? So if you were eating sattvic food over there, why would you want to eat some other food at some other place? Then your happiness is out of the window. There is no peace for you also. So did you understand? There is nothing like happiness, peace, tranquility or whatever that they try to sell you. There is nothing like this. You are an example yourself. Most of you have attended classes and the moment you come out of the class, you are the most miserable person on earth. You see, you can count yourself as the miserable person because you see, there are lots of people when they come out of these kind of classes, you know what they do? First, they take up all the bad activities that they had left. I'm not joking. If they had left drinking, they will start drinking. If they had left smoking, they will smoke cigarettes after cigarettes. If they had left sex over there, it never touched her. Outside they will come and they want to indulge in it. If they have never eaten meat in that ashram or wherever that you had been, outside they want to eat KFC and chicken and mutton and everything. You see, think about it. Over there they might have worn some fancy clothes. You know, orange color and all. Outside they want to wear all hep clothes. Where is your happiness by the way? So please remember one thing. You can go on a retreat. You go to any place. Happiness and all this other peace and all is not right. There is no happiness in this world. If you think I am talking some utter nonsense. Look at the condition of Jesus Christ. Was, did he look happy from any angle? Have you ever seen a picture of Jesus Christ smiling? No. Have you ever seen Buddha? Yo dude, how are you man? You see, have you ever seen Buddha do something like that? Or doing some katas? Yeah! <laughs> I mean, I mean, just imagine, why is all this kind of martial art associated with Buddha? Buddha was supposedly peaceful guy. Then why is martial art associated with him? I mean, have you ever thought like this? Martial art is associated with Buddhism. You know, all kinds of Buddhism. They go to that place in China and they get, Oh, I am a Shaolin monk. Monk my foot. 
you are a mean machine and you are associating with what buddha who has the epitome of peace i mean how foolish can that be has it ever occurred to you how foolish this is common sense will tell you buddha wanted to always be in that serene state what happiness are you talking about look at krishna you see he went to dwarka all right and when in the end he was dying everybody was wiped out the whole clan was finished your yadu vansh all the male members were slaughtered over there so now tell me is it about happiness so do you really think all these great people who were the religious founders great people absolutely brilliant people they are god almighty what peace were they talking about by the way where is it written that you have to have happiness peace and all this no where is it written think they themselves are the highest example do you know what they were basically telling you you have to be in a blissful state even when you are going through the fires of hell so when jesus was on the cross he was in a blissful state he was not crying you would start crying if somebody hit one nail in your hand even if somebody did like this, pulled your hair no you are going to feel miserable oh you will say right is the same thing so now think jesus christ was on the cross he was not laughing there was no happiness or peace or anything he was in a blissful state look at buddha when he was dying have you seen the beautiful you know image of buddha dying always go to my facebook page and see there buddha is reclining like this is in a very blissful state what state is it blissful state when krishna was sitting under the tree with the arrow in his foot he was in a blissful state ramakrishna paramahansa when you look at him he is in a lost blissful state ramana maharshi is in a blissful state sai baba is in a blissful state it is not happiness it is blissfulness do you know what blissfulness stands for they are neither swayed by anything nor happiness nor sadness nor anybody giving them any kind of bad words nor anybody saying they are the greatest in the world you don't sway it doesn't affect them they don't get carried away when somebody says something to them they don't get angry when another person says something bad to them krishna state is a blissful state at all points in time krishna is leaving the gopis behind he is not crying he is in a blissful state when he is killing kamsa he is in a blissful state you have to take your mother or your father to the hospital you are in the worst state if you have to give money to someone you are in the worst state if someone takes money from you you are in the worst state 
If somebody gives you a big designation and says, you are so and so, you are in a happy state. <gasps> like that. Well, blissfulness is all, none of these. Blissful means being undisturbed by whatever happening in the world because the answer is only one. You are not the body. So, fortune is my divine state. If you want to attain Krishna and his fortune, that is to be blissful at all points in time. Not get disturbed by anything in this world because all kinds of stuff happen in this world. You can get nailed to the cross. You can get poisoned to death. People come and backstab you. People can do whatever they feel like. They can do all the wrong stuff in the world and yet nothing changes on your face or anywhere. You are always in that state of equanimity and that is the state which is the divine state of Krishna. The best profit is devotion to me. You see, people always think of profitability. They think that, oh, how much money am I going to make? I bought this for 10 rupees, I will sell it for 20, I will make 10 rupees profit. They think like this. They are always bothered about what they can get from other people. They want value worth. You see, value worth means what? Do you think that you are really value worth? I want you to think about it. There are people who are working for organizations and companies putting in just 3 hours, 4 hours, 6 hours, 8 hours a day, 5 days a week for which they may be getting millions, I don't know, hundreds of thousands. I want you to value yourself. Look at your qualification. Look at the kind of knowledge that you have. Do you really think your value worth that money which the company or whoever is paying you? I'm sorry. If you were to appoint another person exactly like you, if you were the CEO of that organization and the same person like you were to be appointed, would you pay that person the same salary? You will say this person doesn't even work so much. I need results, results, results. Isn't that what you will do? And if you are not a result person, what value are you giving? So this is the truth in life. It doesn't fit. The shoe doesn't fit. Got the point? So he says, the best, best profit is devotion to me. In the material world, people think of only making something out of another being. They feel that I have given these people so much money. I need my value worth. You know, there are some stores here in Bangalore. They sell a mat for 60 rupees or a piece of cloth, you know, a, a kurta for 600 rupees. I can write and give you that kurta will last you for the next 10 years also. And then there is another company which is selling the same kurta for 2500 bucks. It won't even last you 3 months. What is the value worth you have got? What value worth are you talking about? If you really value something, then you have to be seeing to it that it is most durable, isn't it? Because if you are earning that salary and if you think you are really worth it, are you not like this kurta which is lasting for 3 months only? You got to be lasting for 10 years like that 600 rupees kurta. You have to wear yourself out, wear yourself out. So any person who is looking for kind of an answer like I want to get this from someone. Don't have expectations from anybody or anything in this world. The moment you have expectations, 
you are a transactor you transact transaction is only business it is rajoguna you are never going to rise in the spiritual realm ever never so the best profit according to krishna is devotion to me it has to be single pointed devotion there shouldn't be anything else in your peripheral vision also and that is that the best profit you can ever get is when you are devoted to me because you should have no expectation from krishna expectation from krishna is like this i only love you i am single pointedly devoted to you i don't want anything from you but you can give me as much pain as you want kunti said these words when you give me pain i will always remember you that is what is the profit a single pointed devotee of krishna doesn't care about any of these things and that is the profit learning is the destruction of idea of multiplicity in the self doesn't that sound very strange what is learning people will say i have learned a lot aha uh-huh. what do you mean by learning people come to me and they say you know i know about spirituality i have been a disciple of yours for many years well learning has not happened if you can see different different people in front of you then your learning has not happened sir if there is multiplicity in your world if you see different people then you have not learnt anything krishna is talking about you need to see oneness you need to see me in everything there is no multiplicity in the self there are no bodies got the answer in the self in the lord there is no two you are also part of that one only <laughs> so there are five people over there let us say and you are that person who is supposedly learned because you are learning bhagavad gita and all these gitas of this life for many many years do you see five people or do you see one if you see five people one person is not dressed properly doesn't even know how to dress second person uncouth person doesn't talk properly is always condescending the third person he smells he stinks the fourth person always jabbering 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 and has the habit of filling ears of other people you got what i am saying and the fourth one self centered person okay so you identified five people there are five people there then you have not learnt anything because you can see five people over there then there is no learning for you if you can see your own relative maybe you can see your own mother or your wife or your husband or whoever you know this person belongs to me they are my relatives okay other four people they are not related to me they are some idiots in my life you know okay so you are a, you are a, you are a cab driver for your mother father husband wife and all these people okay you are you are a cab driver for even your children but to do the same for another person uh, how can i do that 
It should never be like that. Learning means to see Krishna in everything. If your mother is Krishna, why is that other person not Krishna to you? If the other person and there is another person and then there is another person, if none of these you can see as one, except in your wife or your husband or your children or your own house, I'm sorry, you have not learnt a damn thing. Nothing. You have not learnt anything. Learning is the destruction of the idea of multiplicity in the self. I am the self, Krishna says. I am the supreme. Has he not said in the previous day, verse over here? I am the supreme lord. I am the self. And if you can see multiple things in that, then your learning is zero. Learning is zero. You see, if I can lift another person's bag and their luggage and take it. I can lift my own. I can lift somebody else's. I can lift a third person's. Am I making the differentiation there? No. I have even been a servant to these people. Because if I am servant in one place, I am servant in another place also. I don't say I can't do it. But people who have learned, supposedly learnt with me for many years, think there is a differentiation. Learning means seeing the one self alone, not multiplicity in the self. They cannot be multiple selves. If you can give money and good place to one person, you know, it's like you may send money to your parents or you may send money to your friends or your wife. You know, people do that, isn't it? But if it is somebody else, you have the problem of giving the money to somebody else. Why is it? Because you are a zero learner. You are still in kindergarten. Never learnt anything in life. If you really want to be with Krishna, you have to be in a blissful state. Remember this. My state is the blissful state. Krishna says these words, my state is blissful state. I am not disturbed by multiplicity. Never disturbed by multiplicity. The self is one alone. I see Krishna in everything. So the reason why Radha is the highest devotee of Krishna is because of this reason. Human beings see differentiation. Radha doesn't see. She sees Krishna in everything. Shyness is abhorrence of evil deeds. Anything that you do evil, you know what is evil? To hurt somebody is evil. Do you understand? When you hurt another person, that is evil. People think evil means, oh, the person is evil person, you know. is a villainous character. No. When you hurt somebody else, when you are mean to somebody else, when you speak bad words, when you are doing something wrong, when you tell lies, when you tell the untruth in this world, when you bribe somebody, when you are doing something wrong, which your heart says, your inner being says, I am doing something wrong. And that is called evil deeds. And the person who abhors it, I don't like to do these things, is called the shy person. Shyness means abhorrence of evil deeds. And evil deeds are not those villainous kind which we think of in the, in the movies. You know, Mogambo Khushua. No, it's not Mogambo who is evil. Got it? Abhorrence of all these evil deeds is important. And that is what is called shyness. So we have come to the end of verse 40. 
Tomorrow we will do verse 41 onwards. We will be going slowly because like I said, these are definitions which you need to imprint. And if you have learned them, then you got to implement them. But learning doesn't happen. You know that, no? You're back to square one. Class is over. Go back, drink, smoke, fall down, get angry, get upset. And only pander to your relatives. Class is over, sir. Only pander to your relatives. Be happy with them. Learning never happens. If you can implement this kind of a knowledge inside of you today, then I will say your learning and to achieve the divine state of Krishna. To achieve Krishna is not easy. People say that they are devotees of Krishna. Nobody is a devotee of Krishna. If you cannot be nice, if you cannot have that blissful state at all points in time and see the whole world as oneself alone. So we have come to the end of it. And I would like to thank you. And I will see you all tomorrow. Take care. Have a great day. Bye.